Well, hello. It's Sunday. How are you? Good. It is Sunday. Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I am. Uh, I'm getting antsy for the 14th. Yeah, for just like the rest of the month, right? We finally hit October today. It's October 1st, and I am I am antsy. One because we had two weeks in a row of MotoGP, which always makes me more like, and I got to race. I got to race. I got to you know I got to ride. Right. And then two, <laughs> I haven't been riding much. And then three, it's like they just released the 2024 calendar, so we're thinking about Coda, thinking about stuff like that so i'm like the brain is all over motorcycles right i've been talking to you offline all of that stuff it's just all over it so i'm antsy for the rest of this month getting that finished out you just to asked out. me if i wanted to go to australia no 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 no. i was talking about bringing an australian to coda with us oh yeah well, that's way cheaper mm-hmm. <laughs> allegedly yeah i was just trying to invite a person no, no names will be mentioned, but a, a certain person. Yeah. How many Australian listeners do you think we have? Five and a half. Five and a half. That doesn't make any sense. It does with the averages. <laughs> it's still how that works. Okay. You know, when you give 80%, 100% of the time, all that. Yeah, sure. Well, you can't have a half a person ever, though. A person is a person. I've met a few half persons. Unless you're like talking to how many people are actually listening. Five and a half. All right, we're, we're rolling the intro. Okay, intro goes. Yesterday at one point, I was unfit. And we're back. Were you uh, working on your radio voice over the week? Yep. Nice. That was pretty good. And we're back. I like that. You know, I had a nice uh, subtle to it. No, it's the, back on this Japanese guy. Or not. <laughs> Sorry. There's a lot of Japanese people in my Australia. Other, my other screen has Japanese on it. So I was reading. I was like, my eye got <laughs> caught up on that. My <laughs> interface, whatever. Brain, not work. Um, I, I have to tell my funny joke. So it's Australian guy at work. Uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, uh, you get headaches a lot? And he looked at me, he's like, not really, why? I was like, well, I was just wondering if like not having all the blood in your head from being upside down <laughs> normally is like throwing you off at all. And he gave me props. He's like, you know, I haven't heard that one yet. That was pretty good. And I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's used well, to you know, I'm good at making fun of other people. That's crazy. Mm. Weird. He's used to the whole toilet bowl spinning in the opposite direction and all that. Yeah. So, you know, the, the classic where are your straps? You know, where do you keep your straps when you come to America? Because you don't need them to hold you on the earth anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Australians. Australians. Here we go. Here it is. How about that, Jack? I'm, what happened? Like, <laughs> where were, where has he been for the last, you know, two months? And, and, and who is this this weekend? Are we talking so, Saturday, Sunday, the whole weekend? Like, so um, he, I, I, he threw his bike in a ditch, and then went back out on the old bike, and I saw his Instagram. It said something about, you know, threw the new frame out, whatever, because of the wreck. So I had to use the old bike for Q2, but proved that she still got something, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, there he is, just peeking through the weekend, doing great. Uh, the rain, you know, the rain kind of always... If so, I'll, I'll stop everyone right here. If you haven't seen the Japan race this weekend, the sprint, I, I was amazed by the sprint. 
Uh, I was engaged the whole time. I thought it was a great race. A great sprint. It's not a race. All the way back. I mean, no, like it action-packed, right? W- what a sprint should be up until like the last lap. I think I told you that yesterday, actually. But up until the last lap, like there were moving parts the whole time. It was sweet. Uh, the race really wasn't that much different. It did rain, and there was some uh, some things that I'm sure we'll get into. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want the spoilers, go ahead and go watch it and then come back. Or you can just get the spoilers and then watch it anyway. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, don't so, turn this off because then you probably won't turn it back on. So, so spoiler time. Uh-huh. Technically, Technically. Was the race longer than the sprint? Ooh, I don't remember. I think so. By what, one lap? Well, they never made it to three quarters. That's why they tried restarting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I'll i be honest. I, I had to turn it off. I, <laughs> I was watching it in my truck in the parking lot this morning. Shut up to work a little early, turn it on, and I was actually afraid I wasn't going to finish it. And then I saw them red flag it, so I was like skipping through all the like, we're sitting here waiting, right? And then I saw a restart, and I was like watching for a second, and then it didn't restart. I was like, what? And then there's a podium. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm a little fuzzy on the end of the race and how all that actually played out, but I got the, the racing part, which is what matters. Yeah, so for those that don't know... It was raining. It was. It wasn't though, for a second. Yeah, they started. It was. It was. It was that was the funniest flag to flag I think I've ever seen, because it was like race start, first corner, red and white flag, like literally in the first corner, and then uh, old what? What do you want to call him? Big Kahunes himself out there for ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was trying to prove. Morbidelli. Yeah. Well, I I see what he was doing. What's a flag-to-flag race, for those that don't know? Yeah, so a flag-to-flag race, you head out on dry tires, dry bike. Or, actually, I think the other way around could also be flag-to-flag, maybe. No. Anyway, you start dry. They think the race is going to be dry, but they'll be talking about it because weather is weather. Usually, we can kind of tell what's going to happen at this point in our technologically advanced world. Um, So they'll be talking about it, but you'll hear the word flag-to-flag. That means that at some point during the race, they'll put up a white flag with a red X in it. That means that they have spotted water on the track. Now, I haven't ever fully caught on to if that means they're good to come in or if there's a separate message and a separate flag that means you can come in. Because so I've they, seen that before when it's just like, hey, there's some water in this corner, but it's not a flag to flag. Correct. So so, so the separate message is the pit has to be open. Mm, okay, okay. And then they'll so, get that on their, on their bikes, right? They'll get that on their bike. There'll be a guy... F- Waving a green flag as well, just yeah. so the pit's open. Yeah, so flag to flag means that you get that flag, the rain flag, you get the pit flag open, the the riders are allowed to come in, swap out for the rain bike, and head out. And the only thing that, like, so it's really down to how fast can you swap your bike and get back onto the pit line, and then everyone has to follow the speed limit coming out of there. You have to come in, and what what I learned today was you have to swap your bike perfectly, and there are lines in the pits also. We'll get into that a little later, I'm sure. Um, but you come in, you hop off your one bike, your team's got your other bike ready to go with the rain tires, you get on the other bike and you, you head out and you try and make it as far up the line as you can. But you have to follow the speed limit in the pits. And then as soon as you break the pit speed limit barrier, they're full gas gone, right? And then you're you're out racing in the rain on rain tires. But some people today made the decision to not come in. Really surprisingly, because normally when you're first place and then second place third place fourth place and like everyone comes in everyone's gonna come in because there's no reason not to well let's let's 
let's talk about that a little bit for those yeah. that haven't seen a race like that. So there's a lot of strategy comes into play at that point. It's true. So if it's raining a little bit, maybe you feel like you're okay on slicks and you're considerably faster on the slicks than you would be on rain tires. If yeah. it doesn't get wet, too wet. Right. You also have a choice of when you want to come and change that bike. But if you're True. out there driving around on slicks and you're down 10 seconds a lap, you're losing time every single lap for those F1 listeners. Just like in F1, they they choose to stay out on wore out tires and they're turning laps that are slower. That's a, that's a strategy decision has to be made. You don't have to change bikes. True. Nothing says you can't run slicks in the rain. Yes, there has been races. Brad Bender won a race in the past by choosing to stay on slicks at the end of the race because it hadn't started raining until the last quarter of a race. And mm-hmm. he stayed out. Everybody else pitted. Yeah, because I'd say generally you can gain if like at least five up to 15 seconds just from not going in. Right. Right. And and maybe even more than that. I could I could be a little wrong. I'm really, really pulling most of the info from today and then just kind of trying to make an average out of it. But you will gain time purely just by not pulling into the pits and swapping bikes. Like, obviously, it's going to it's going to take time to pull in, stop, get off, get on. And then you're limited. What pit speed is probably 25, 30 miles an hour max. So you're limited to that until you get out of there. So that time saved, like in Brad Bender's case, you're at the end of the race. If I get a 10 second lead. Who cares if I'm not going as fast? As long as I can keep the bike upright, no one's going to be able to catch me in that two laps that's left. It's so, it's an interesting move to make at the very beginning of a race. Uh, I could I could see where someone would make it if you think it's not going to keep raining, but I don't think that uh, paid off very well today for some people. Well, so it's hard to tell, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Moto America a little bit. We both know that MotoGP has superior cameras to Moto America, right? Yep. Uh, it was raining in Jersey last week for the Moto America race. Mm-hmm. And about 50% of their cameras are completely rain soaked. You're looking through, it's like looking through a window that's being rained on without windshield wipers. Yeah. Um, and no, and no rain X. Cause I don't, I don't really use windshield wipers, but <laughs> I use them under 25 miles an hour and then they're off. Yeah. So, anyway. but the, the race today, because the cameras are properly covered and properly rain X'd, <laughs> Or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to tell watching on TV how much rain is out there. Yeah, a lot of times they'll be like, "Yeah, we're getting rain on the commentary box window." You're like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, because no. the cameras, <laughs> you know, the cameras are designed to not get rain on them. They're designed yeah. to, yeah, they so get the you kind of have to hood <laughs> going on. So you kind of have to watch and see if there's spray coming off the tires sometimes. Yeah, but when they all came in. When they all came in, with the exception of a few, it really looked like there was some dry lines out there. And I got the feeling watching the race that it was a quick little storm that was going to pass through. And yeah. I thought, me personally watching, I thought there's a good chance this just blows by. Mm-hmm. And those guys that stayed out are golden. They're going to they're gonna destroy everybody. Yeah, so I, I can't say I ever thought that would happen. But I saw him do it, and I was like, "Ooh, interesting." Because that, I mean, the commentators were talking about it. They're like, "If you know, if it dries up, those rain tires are going to be shot, gone, and those people either have to come back in and trade bikes again, or just try and make it on their their slicks." And and if you think about it, even if you get five, ten seconds behind, and the rain clears up at halfway through the race, you've got twelve laps where you might be a full second or two or three ahead of someone because it dries up. And you have slicks. 
compared to someone that is now going to have a torn up race rain tire because if you don't know rain tires they're it needs to be raining yeah they don't have a lot of surface area touching the ground so they generate a lot of heat yeah exactly so if you if you run your rain tire in the dry you will eat through a rain tire way quicker than a slick there's also they're not yeah they're just not built to run at that temperature either they're built to run a little bit colder you still it's weird because rain tires, you would think they're built to run in the cold. They still need to be warmed up. They're still going to have them on the warmers. They're still going to get heat into them, but they're built to run a little colder. Anyway, if you run rain tires in the dry, you'll burn through them super quick. That's why a lot of like club racers are not very well versed in rain tires. I think it's kind of a it's a general statement, but it's true. Is because it's like it's a different world. You have to be very used to it. And MotoGP, conveniently, you have a team behind you, so they're going to tell you what to do pretty much. You're good to go. I was laughing, though. Ducati Test Rider was cracking me up because he stayed out, right? He's one of the ones that stayed out on slicks, and he stayed Piro. out for a, for a while. Yeah, Mikel, Michelle, whatever, Piro. He was cracking me up because he got the message on his bike eventually, like, come in now. And he stayed out for one more lap. And I was like, dude, those guys are just like, look, you're a test rider. If you put the bike down, that cost us. <laughs> like, right. I was just like, this guy better not put that thing down or they're going to they fire yeah, but him. He, he led his first MotoGP race today. He did. Yeah, no, he led it for, for quite a while, too, until he came in, I believe. So yeah, Nobody can take that away from him. No, no, I'll, I'll give it to him. And I, I didn't think it would happen, but I mean... It's hard to not think about those, you know, possibilities of if the rain clears right now, who's, you know, who's in the win? Because Morbidelli and him had a 10, 10 second lead right at the beginning. And then they got pretty far behind. But I was just sitting there thinking about it. I was like, if that rain's only there for two laps, like all these other riders are going to have to make a decision. Do we go in? Do we not? Can we push it? How long do we push it? Like it just becomes such a crazier battle. And then, well, the rain kind of picked up. Sam down. So to touch on Morbidelli, I don't really have a problem with what he did because it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's not on the team next year. He's not in any points contention. That was his one shot at maybe having some great result. Yeah. Uh, and then the window, I mean, he, he was, on, he was always going to finish 17th. Yeah. True. I mean, regardless. Mm-hmm. So after, he was the last one out there on slicks and the commentators were kind of getting after him. Like, what is he hoping to accomplish still out there? It's either some miracle happens and the rain does go away mm-hmm. and he's still upright or he goes and changes rain tires and gets last. I mean, he was, he was last cares? regardless. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. What, what amazes me is how long those racers will push slicks in those conditions. That's insane. And the announcers are like, he doesn't even have his knee down. <laughs> well, I wonder why. <laughs> so <laughs> last week, let me let me plug this in there. Last week, I mentioned, you know, some of the things the commentators get stuck on and won't quit saying. Mm-hmm. They're back on one of the sayings from last year. Which one? Box office. Oh, Mark Marquez, he's simply box office. When he's on the bike, he's simply box office. I didn't hear that one. I might have to go rewatch and listen for that because I don't, I don't remember that. What I do remember is like they were cracking me up because they're like Mark Marquez, the king of the rain. They said that right at the beginning, right? Like crazy good in the rain, so much experience, and then he just fell back like so many positions. Which right. he, he, re- I, I'm putting this out there. I think if there had been a full race, he may have claimed first place. 
So, because as I, there got more rain, Mark did get better. No, he absolutely. So I don't like to, you know, give old golden underwear compliments, but when he deserves them, he deserves them. And here's the deal. He absolutely made the right choice. Mm -hmm. And he, spoiler, was on the podium. Yeah, yeah. On the podium, when they interviewed him, he said something that is absolutely true that kind of made it click. But when he said when he was falling back, it was because he there wasn't enough rain and he knew he would burn out his rain tire. Interesting. Okay. He said on the podium, he purposely was taking it easy, hoping that it would start raining more. And when it started raining more, then he turned it up. Because, because there was enough cooling in the tire to... Interesting. Yes. And Alicia Spargaro mm -hmm. burn up his tire. Jack Miller yep. burn up his tire. Yep. When they were Race. both running softs. So. Yeah, but still, they were racing Dude. hard when there wasn't a lot of water out there. How about that jack on those brakes, though? <laughs> so him and Mir... We'll come back to Mark in a second, but now that you brought Jack up, whoa. The rain, I love the rain. For, as long as for, you're not in it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in it either. So I, I've i actually been surprised by myself in the rain. I definitely prefer not riding in the rain because it's a lot easier to just not worry about it. But you go ride in the rain on a racetrack and you realize, like, no, I'm, I'm good. And you kind of start to realize that the rain isn't as scary as it is. Then you get back on the road and it's raining and you freak out again because you're like, well, there's uh, there's stripes, so I'm scared. Anyway, um, that's me. I don't that's know me. It's worth it. I hate the rain. I hate the rain mostly. Biggest reason I hate the rain while riding a motorcycle, track or not, is how wet you get. You're just physically uncomfortable. <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all. What bothers that's me? That's weird. You're weird. What bothers me is okay. I'm going out there track day race. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I'm always trying to set a time and I, I have my personal okay. best and I know mm -hmm. when it's raining, that's not happening that day. So I know that the proper thing to do would be to focus and say, okay, we're going to work on this and we're going to get better at racing in the rain. We're going to do all that stuff. But mm -hmm. I know that PR is not attainable anymore and that's what I live for. So it ruins everything for me. Yeah. Well, so I, I got that. I will say that on a racetrack, I'm way more relaxed in the rain, not, not compared to the sun on a racetrack, but the rain on the road. Right. We're, we ride on the road a little bit still. Uh, I think that's safe to say. As soon as it starts raining on the road, I go in like full, like super focus mode because in my head, I'm like, my braking distance is gone. My turn in ability is gone. Like everything is just gone. And I have to know, like, if there's a rabbit coming across the road, I need to see that so much earlier because I don't have the time to just, I can't just grab brakes anymore. I have to be able to plan all that out. On the racetrack, I'm already planning everything out. So I'm way more relaxed in the rain on a racetrack compared to the road because all I have to do is take my brakes and say a little earlier and a little slower. And the same thing with the throttle. Lean angle a little less. Throttle a little smoother, a little later maybe. Brakes a little smoother, a little later, right? Or a little, a little earlier on the brakes, not later. And it's a lot easier to manage on the racetrack because I already know what I'm going to do. All I have to do is widen that up a little bit and I'm good to go. Out on the road, I go like super hyper focus, freaking out. Yeah, like anytime I change lanes, I'm like, I got to make sure I change this lane in between these two lines because my tires hit the line and like it's slippery, blah, blah, blah. But I know and and I can hear I can hear old Ken Hill right now saying the rain's the best time to work on your throttle inputs, your brake inputs. You know, 
Probably. I don't know Mood. if I've ever. I don't think I've ever talked to him about the ring. I'm sure that's what he would say. I'll put words yeah. in his mouth. I'm sure he'd be saying <laughs> it's the best time to learn, and you should be out there. You know. You know, maybe but, we'll maybe we'll have to get him back on here and just do a ring episode for you guys when in, in the off season. We'll uh, yeah. we'll look into that. Yeah, because for me, for the reasons I stated already, but also mm-hmm. it's just I put bikes down, and if I if I'm out there and I'm like, I was trying to get one second better. I was trying to right. get my own personal record, and I put the bike down trying to do it. That's one thing. If I go crash at half speed because I was pissing around in the rain, which I haven't done yet, but that I think that would irritate me worse. Yeah. That's fair. I so I will say my first time ever riding in the rain, and I think actually one of my few, the ridge was always kind of weird. And I yeah, we're back on the ridge. Congratulations. Yeah, because it rains all the time. Yeah, but the ridge is weird because you'll wake up in the morning, it'll be forty five degrees and foggy. You're like, this is gonna be a terrible day. You're not seeing the sun, and the sun should be up, but it's not up yet. And you're like, uh, it's forty five degrees. You put your tire warmers on, and they're like they tell you the temperature and it's cold you're like uh, and then it clears up and it's great and it's a great day and then in the afternoon you're like man i really wish it was 40 degrees again because it's 85 now and this is ridiculous <laughs> but uh that's that's the only time i've really seen the rain and, and stuck out for it because it wasn't on slicks that time and i forgot where i was going with that racing in the rain racing the in the rain at the ridge i i completely forgot anyway i lost it but in the rain i you know, I had a, I went out and I kind of realized like it really comes down to how much you're, oh, that's where I was going. Sorry. A group goes out first, right? And then B group and then C group. And we were running C group back in this day when this happened. And A group, yellow flag, red flag, yellow flag, B group, red immediately. And the, they're like Where's telling me like, hey, <laughs> take it easy. We're going to put the yellow up for the first two laps. No passing, no nothing. First two laps, take it easy. We have had way too many wrecks. And you're just like, whoa, rain is scary. Everyone's wrecking. And then you go out and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad, right? Warm up your tires for like an extra lap that time around. And you start going and no, I didn't drag knee, whatever. But I don't think I was really dragging knee at that point anyway. It's just like realizing that as long as you're putting very smooth inputs, what rain just takes away your forgiveness. That that's I think that's like the easiest way to sum it up is that the forgiveness that you normally have out on on a bike on a racetrack goes away in the rain, right? Whatever like simple human mistakes you might make from bad throttle input, bad braking input, or too much lean angle, too little lean angle, whatever it might be, that you can't have that in the rain. And it'll just take it away. If you're smooth and you've got the guts, you can ride pretty freaking quick in the rain. And it's kind of scary. And watching MotoGP to bring us all right back, it amazes me. What those guys screaming. Do. Yeah. Yeah, they're going nuts. Their their laps their lap times go down by like two seconds. I'm like, if I was out there, it'd be 20 easily. While we're still on this rain subject, you notice uh, the first guy to raise his hand? No. It was getting pretty damn treacherous out there. I mean, they were starting to hydroplane on the straight. Yeah. It was, it was getting pretty wet, but Alicia Asparagus, he's raising his hand at the stands every time it goes by. <laughs> and if you recall, he's the same guy. He's the same guy that was lobbying to have a button put on the bike so that if they were like all the way on the back, the riders have a button they can push to alert that the conditions aren't safe. So like if 30% of the bikes all hit the button. Mm-hmm. 
then they can go ahead. It's and a mandatory it like red flag. Yeah. But so the, that, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That's why I'm kind of like nonchalant. Like, uh, of course it was him. I wasn't paying attention to that because it, I think anything Elish does out on the track, I'm like, he's making shit up. Like, <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> like, it just seems he, like he's always like, look, what excuse can I find today for my writing? Like, what? Like, oh, no, no, no. Mm. It's just clearly so emotional, man. Yeah, and, and it's weird because everyone else, when they when they red flagged it, it looked like the three guys at the front were almost upset. They all kind of stood up and they're like, right? And maybe they were putting their hands up for... I, I assume it was actually just, hey, I'm, I'm slowing down. I'm coming off, right? Red flag, as, as you should. You'll learn that if you go to a track day, which, hey, if you're not going to track days, you should. Even if you don't have a sport bike, just go... Got to put that plug out of there. But so right, they all throw their hand up, but they were kind of looking around like, come on, we could still race, you know? And it when they went back out, and you might have missed this because you were trying to finish. Yeah. But uh, Mark Marquez is the one they zoomed in on. He raised his hand when they were trying to restart that race. Mm -hmm. They went out for the siding lap and then they came lined up. It was a quick start. So right. they went out went out for the warm-up lap, and they were mm -hmm. coming back on the backside, the back straight. They were coming down, and there was quite a bit of water. It looked good up front, but there was quite a bit of water on the back, and Mark had his hand up. Um, and, th and I'm sure there was multiple, multiple riders that had their hand up, but that's right. the one they zoomed in on. Yeah, they so, were focused on, yeah. yeah. So not to, I'm not trying to make you angry. We're not, we're not bagging oh, on the guy. Oh, 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 careful. Golden underpants. They might not be golden, but they're underpants for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, so I mean, it's interesting because I think uh, any anyone could argue that Mark is weirdly good in the rain, and one could take the side of experience. He he has the most years in MotoGP out of anyone out there right now, and he has the most wins. Anyway, all of that wound up. I would say also, in his mind, he's gonna crash anyway, so why not go fast? <laughs> Uh, we'll get back to that in a second, but I, uh, I do also think there's, there are some riders that excel in the rain compared to others and Jorge Martin actually quite, he, uh, he obviously wants to win this championship. There is like no question in my mind that he wants to win it, which there never really was. There shouldn't be for anyone. Right. But sometimes you're like, well, whatever the way he was pushing that bike in the rain. I was like, okay, he has just said, I don't care if it's raining. The bike should be able to perform. I'm going to test it and I'm going to go because what do I have to lose? I either win the championship or I don't. And that's, it, and, and that's exactly how you should race. Right. And he did simply box office. Yeah. Box office, not the cork in the bottle, you know, not until the cork the, in the bottle. You know what? The, I got to bring up one more. Okay. This, this is my own joke. I like to throw in there now. They're constantly saying he was literally millimeters from that guy. <laughs> okay. What is a well, millimeter? Well, is it a thousand millimeters? Is it a million millimeters? What I mean, I don't know it? how many millimeters. What's a millimeter? Yeah, what the, what even is that? That's some what? <laughs> Someone not American let us know what a millimeter is and how that converts to the the real measurement system inches. Okay. How many millimeters is touching? You know, you know what's insane? A thousandth of an inch. Oh my gosh, really? I got you going? It, yeah, yeah, you did. You <laughs> I have the teeniest bit of machining experience and it cracked me up that a thousandth of an inch is less than a millimeter and it is. Don't even think about it. 
Don't worry about it. It's actually quite a bit less. A lot. I'm not. So <laughs> I haven't argued yet. I've never machined in millimeters. I've machined in inches a lot because you can get a lot closer if your tolerance is plus or minus five thousandths. That's a lot tighter tolerance than one millimeter, right? There's smaller increments than millimeters, though, in the metric system. I understand that, but no one ever talks about them. And I'm sure, you know, you you non-American <laughs> that use the uh, the millimeters, which actually had, I honestly Oh, my gosh. Would... For those at home listening, I'm this... This is this is all coming from him. It's all coming from you. Okay. Your your team. Go ahead. Sorry. I apologize. But real quick, I wish we would switch over because it would be so much easier because they go in tens and that's easier to handle. But after I machined things, I was like, the thousandth of an inch is so much better than anything <laughs> millimeter related. So what do you call it at that point? What's smaller than a millimeter? I don't know because I've never looked at it because who cares? You have a 10 mil. And you have a 14 mil, and that's a 916. And at that point, everything else is just standard. So, also, I think it's funny that the American. You know, for standard... being a smart guy, you're kind of a freaking caveman sometimes. That was not nice. Really? Well, you're talking about millimeters, and then you start talking about like 916 inch wrenches. I mean, this 14 mil equates to 916. Everyone, everyone knows that. I understand, but you're talking about like, you're talking about like finite measurements for milling. Yeah. And then we swing right into a wrench you would fix a John Deere tractor in the field with. You ain't fixing no John Deere with a 9 sixteenths. Well, maybe, maybe back in your day when that. they were small and <laughs> used those size bolts, we go out to any John Deere right now in a field and you're probably looking at at least two inches. Yeah, and it's probably metric. I don't know about that. John Deere's made in America. Absolutely. Des Moines, Iowa and other places. I'd but... be willing to bet that they stayed standard just purely to keep their own wrenches and because they probably have like money in DeWalt or something. I don't know. Oh, man. We're digging. It all deep. comes back, back to money. Racing. At the end, it okay. comes back to money. All right. Jack Miller on the brakes, down the straight, locked him up, him and John Muir going nuts in the rain. How in the <laughs> words that I cannot say, do you keep a bike upright when you're doing stuff like that in the rain? I don't know. Okay, so I have like almost fallen over walking down my driveway in my flip-flops in the rain. Yes, I wear flip-flops. Here we but, go. Oh my gosh. Right? How can you be going down the straight? It also, it makes me mad. In MotoGP, I understand most of the races are out of America, but they always bold the kilometers per hour. I'm like, from 300 to 72, that's insane. And then I have to look down and be like, oh what is that and then it's gone before i can like actually math it out but anyway from really fast to really slow in the rain i don't know how joe amir kept his bike up in the rain period since he can't keep it up in the dry they got a new bike their bike is amazing yeah apparently i'll put i'm gonna put it out mark ain't going anywhere because you of that amazing him? bike he refuses to ride anyway you heard it in the press conference he ain't going anywhere he said maybe i like it a lot and he's like Maybe not. Like he, he said, maybe I like it a lot. Paused and realized that everyone was like, "Oh, you stayed at Honda." He's like, "Or oh, maybe I don't." I'm sorry, I didn't say anything here. I'm I'm not making my announcement yet. So my gut tells me that he's staying with Honda also, but until Grassini signs somebody, did you hear the the latest uh, rumor? Big rumor, big time rumor. It was actually from an article that was literally making fun of all the Mark news. Jack Miller's going to HRC. Uh, let me pile onto that. Okay. They let Jack Miller be a, do some interviews mm -hmm. for MotoGP today. Did you see that? I didn't. 
So he, he got to be a pretend journalist for a bit. Okay. Interesting. So he found Mark Marquez <laughs> and he stuck a microphone in his face and he said, Mark, Mark, where are you going next year? And Mark said, I'm going to your house. He said, I'm going to your house. And Jack said, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you could take that so many ways. Yeah, but the, the announcers also talk. Um, they talked today about Pedro Acosta threw them all for a loop because for the first time, like that kid is fairly arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Confident. I mean, he's confident. He knows what he wants and he's not afraid to ask for it. And he thinks he deserves it. And he may very well. Don't get me wrong. Probably does. Yeah. But he just flat out says, Hey, I have a contract. I'm going to MotoGP next year. He's made no secret of that. Like, that's just how yeah, it is. Well, and I mean, if KTM wrote it down and he signed it, then why not? Like, why keep it a secret? Devil's advocate. They wrote on a piece of paper that Jack could be there next year, but that mm-hmm. still came up. Yeah. So, but. Yeah. I mean, that's a weird thing about contracts is like, who can break a contract? What does it cost? Like, obviously we never read the fine print. We just get who's going where and why. And like, oh no, they're breaking their contract, but it would be interesting. I don't know that I would ever want to do it, but it would be interesting to like sit down with the contract writers and be like, what do you actually put in here? Like what? Like you have a contract for two years. The only thing that matters is that you'll get paid this much. Right. Or whatever it might be. But if you want to break it, you're going to pay us this much. Well, what if the what if the team wants to break it? Like, honestly, what if you know, what if Honda said, well, we don't want John Mir. He's terrible. We signed two years, but no, we want to get rid of him. Did they pay him more? Like, of course, every contract's written different. And that's why they have managers. And yeah. They're yeah. probably trying to put loopholes in from both sides and whatever they, they can sneak past. Yeah. The and then side. you get into the boring politics side of motorcycle but, racing and no one wants to hear about that. But the announcers alluded today that during some press conference or whatever with Pedro, mm-hmm. he didn't outright say that the idea of staying in Moto2 was closed. Interesting. Okay. And that's the first time there's been like a chink in the armor that he could stay in Moto2 for one more year. Mm-hmm which is kind of what KTM's wanted all along. So KTM may be running into blockades to free up a bike for him, but they don't want to lose him. Right. So maybe they're going back offering him more money, bigger contracts to go ahead and stay one more year. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I, mean, I, I can't see him staying there. It, it, it would be a disservice. So I don't want him interfering with Jack. On like a personal level or on a MotoGP? On a personal level, I don't want to see Jack get moved for him by any means, and that would make me never want to root for Pedro again. And you right. know I've been rooting for him the, his whole yeah. Yeah, I'll get you know, that. MotoGP career. Did you buy whole... a flag yet? Hmm? Did no. you buy a flag? Not, not a real fan. <sighs> so, they... <laughs> you know, so he, uh... real, real quick, sorry. My neighbor, and I I don't know this guy really at all. We've talked like a couple times, right? Like you go out, you get the mail. He happens to be out taking his trash out or whatever. You're like, hey, neighbor, how's it going? He's like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, classic Saturday, whatever. I caught, I was outside, he was outside, and he's like, you watch MotoGP? And I was like, well, hold up. No one knows what that is. Yes, I watch MotoGP. So I was like, yeah, what up? crazy race this past weekend like trying to just like jump into that conversation because if you know then you know 
He's like, well, I just saw the Mark Marquez flag, you know, and I was like, yeah, been a been a rough year. And he just kind of like shrugged it off and left. I was like, okay, are you just trying to be a neighbor and like realize that you're, you know, you, you come into the neighborhood and you're like, all right, football, we're going to go football and you try football and you don't meet anyone and you look over, you're like, what, what is that flag? And you look it up and like 93 red. Oh, what did you pee? I'll say those words. I like it. Anyway, sorry. No. Very weird tangent, but I don't, I don't know where he was going with it because it didn't go anywhere. And he was just like gone. And I was like, I thought I had a friend for once. And I was like, next door neighbor also watches MotoGP. This would be amazing, right? Like, wow. I mean, in America, that is that is hard to find. Yes. How, um, how, how many people do you know, besides me, that watch MotoGP without you saying anything about it? Five. Wow. That's five a lot. People, five people from the racetrack. Okay. <laughs> okay. That are obviously All into right. motorcycles and obviously <laughs> into racing. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I'll give you outside that. of that, I mean... Yeah, do you, know, like, do you know them though? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I mean, yeah, but just like traveling around. So Lugnut, his wife, <laughs> Jack Miller, his snake, and <laughs> the kid, the kids he doesn't have, the you know those kind of his things. bike that counts, right? That counts right, for something, right? Right. But no, I mean, obviously, I, there's know. there's at least sixty thousand people in America, right? Isn't that what went to what? Oh, it, it wasn't anywhere near that, was it? I'm making shit up. Stuff up. Sorry. Sixty thousand people in America was your statement. Full stop. Yeah. Three hundred sixty million. Hang on, that's not how many people are in America. How well, I'm just telling you, your Moto statement America. was there's sixty thousand people in America. Full stop. Of the Americas attendance. Oh, I put a W at the end. Coda attendance numbers. Oof. Fewer than twenty five thousand people. <laughs> Okay, so I'm stretching a little bit, but are you serious? Yeah, well, that's what Reddit said. Which I mean, Reddit might be the most accurate. Oh no, that can't be. That cannot stand. Come on, America. How many people are at MotoGP attendance in France? It was two hundred seventy-eight thousand. How many people go to MotoGP in Austin? This year's race forecast to have four hundred forty thousand people attend. Up from four hundred thousand last year. Those that was in October of twenty two. <laughs> no, they are not. Oh, that that's for uh, Formula One, F one, and MotoGP weekend share idea mooted by. That's weird. F one and MotoGP weekend share idea. Okay. That's Europeans enjoy Austin as they flock to Coda. Coda rarely gives out attendance figures anymore, but in twenty sixteen, three day weekend attendance of one hundred thirty one thousand. Because the numbers I've heard are more like 70 on the day of the GP. Right. That's why I said 60, because I, I figured that was a pretty reasonable. This is where Wikipedia, and I'm, I haven't clicked on any websites yet, but they say roughly 440,000 people attended the event, breaking Formula One's attendance record of 400,000 set at 2021. <laughs> what? Who's in there writing Wikipedia's for them? Ooh, here you go. 2,427,928 spectators over the course of the season. Minus Coda. For its numbers or not. So they don't release numbers. Capacity of 120,000. The the best I can get is Reddit, which says fewer than 25,000. So I'm, I'm going to take that as the most accurate, honestly. Anyway, at least 20,000 20, people out of how many did you say total in America? 360 mil. Something. Yeah, that's a you know that's a really good percentage. 
This is terrible. We should just turn this off. The podcast is useless. Don't turn it off. Okay, I won't. Use your magic fingers over there and see how many people went to, well, if CODA don't release the numbers, see if Moto America released the numbers for them. Moto America attendance numbers at CODA 2022. Moto America CODA attendance. Up 7.2%. Without a number? <laughs> so that could be 10 and a half people? This is from the Moto America website. Attendance up 7.2% for Geico Motorcycle Moto America Speed Fest at Monterey. That's in California. That's not even the right... Uh, Cirque de America set on. That's just uh, talking about it. How much do you get paid in Moto America? Who won Moto America champion? Coda attendance numbers for Moto GP again. They don't have it. That's not. Yeah, no one cares. Okay, let's get back to the race. Hang on. You've seen it. You A were three there. day three. Hang on. The Red Bull Grand Prix of the Americas, a combined Moto GP and Moto America event at Circuit of the Americas near Austin, Texas, drew a three day total of 131,881 spectators. So that would have been 21 in 2016. Okay. That's that's like all the actual info I have. Sorry. So I still think the numbers are good because I know my better half was looking into that pretty steady because we were curious. You were there this weekend or this year. Correct. Yeah, and and I've been there more times than that, and I, it's kind of the same every year. Friday, there's just the hardcore fans are there. Saturday, same people, you know, the hardcore fans, but you start getting a few more trickling in, and especially mm-hmm. with the sprint race now. Yeah, yeah, the sprint and, has, and and then Sunday, at least for that one race. I mean, it's it's kind of sad, honestly, because I mean, it's <laughs> you were at a USBA race, right? Yeah, and you mentioned how the bleachers fill up for the King of the Mountain race. Yeah. But there's some pretty decent racing going on all day long. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. There's good racing. You know, this this weekend kind of made me upset at myself because I watched a sprint and I was like, man, that is insane. It was action packed the whole time. It it was what a sprint should be. Right. Right. Like I said, literally earlier in this episode. Up until the last lap, it was people moving going crazy up down whatever great race and i was like i found myself saturday night wondering is tomorrow even going to be worth it after watching that because throughout the season i've noticed that you watch the sprint and it it is normally a little more action-packed because the riders only have half the lap time to go so they don't have time to sit and wait and ride it out and whatever and spread out and and that's its point, but then you get to Sunday, and three quarters of the way through Sunday, you're like, all right, well, nothing's going to change. Maybe I'll just go ahead. And, especially for for us here, we're watching it not live. So I can jump and look at results whenever I want. I have caught myself on Sundays jumping to the, the results early because I'm looking at the time difference, and I'm like, nothing's going to happen unless someone wrecks. And if they wreck, I'll just look at the results if they don't wreck, I can end the race now. If they do, you know, if the results are crazy compared to what I'm looking at, then I'll keep watching. Otherwise, like, what am I What am I doing? Let's stay on that subject. One of the things that MotoGP wanted to accomplish that I never mm-hmm. agreed with them mm-hmm. personally is they kept touting to us, the viewing public, they kept touting to us that certain riders were going to do better in a sprint race than they were going to do in a full-length race. So it was going to mix everything up. Yeah. I never bought into that. 
It's easy to say now, but I never bought into that because I watch Moto America, because I watch World Superbike. Both yeah, of those World Superbike's been doing the sprint. Well, they do they do a two day race like Moto America, so they have a Saturday race and then a Sunday race, but they also have a Super Pole race, right? Which is like a sprint. It's a ten lap race, basically. Whatever track you go to, if Johnny Ray's winning, he's winning all three, or he's running up front. It's always the same. And I would, I would argue that MotoGP, for the most part, there's absolutely shockers in there, things that it changes up a little bit. But yeah. you're, if Bagnaia is going to have a good weekend, he's going to run good in the sprint, and he's going to run good in the race. Yeah, your your top three are similar. Yeah. I would. I would argue that the sprint race would have been a lot different 15 years ago, yeah. maybe even only 10, right? But if you look at MotoGP today or motorcycle racing in general today, and I think we mentioned it last week even, uh, how important qualifying is, it is insane how little passing there is. And, um, and that's insane that that little passing you're talking about, I just want to be clear to the listeners, the little bit of passing you're talking about is 250 times more than happens in Formula One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But I'll even put it, let's let's use Golden Underpants as an example here. Mark Marquez, right, from the beginning of his career to now. In the beginning, you could put Mark Marquez, like, long lap penalty or whatever. He He had some times where he made some mistakes and ended up at last place from the start and part of what made him like such an, an amazing racer was that he could come from last place all the way up to the front again. I don't think his talent has left. I think the ability to do that in MotoGP is gone. Look at, look at the greats of like Valentino Rossi, Casey Stoner, Nikki Hayden. I, I personally don't go further back than that because I'm too young. Um, but all the greats back then you could qualify terribly and still compete and pass so many riders and go nuts. And the race was crazy the whole time because people were all over the place today for whatever reason, be it aero, be it technology, be it whatever. It is such a like one pass per lap. Maybe if you're lucky type of racing scenario that you just don't see that anymore. And so right. qualifying is so important. And because of that, I think, those sprints aren't as aren't as exciting as they were hoping. If you put the sprints back in like 2005, like Valentino Rossi King Time, that would be nuts. Those racers would go insane. Last place would come to first. First place would go to 15th. 15th would go up to third. Like it would be all over the place. I guarantee it. But in today's racing style. First so, place qualifier has the advantage. The bikes all have this crazy launch device. Like there's there's too much technology there making the bikes perfect at every moment that it's just not it's just a shorter race. Yeah. Well, I agree with what you're saying. This is not to contradict any of that, but let's compare that to World Superbike. We're talking about so we're gonna get into World Superbike, hopefully. Yeah. At least at least touch on it. We'll go, we'll go there in a minute, but today's race, uh, race two mm -hmm. at Portimao mm -hmm. had 35 lead changes. <laughs> what? They're calling it the greatest race of 2023. Interesting. Okay. 
It was between the same two guys, just Port- cycling Portimao, back and forth. Portugal, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Spain. Yeah. 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 Portugal, Spain, Portugal, Port- Portimao, Portimao, Portimao. Hang on. Sorry. I'm, I mean, I'm on the World Superbike website. Where is Portimao? Yeah, it's Port- Portuguese. The Portuguese round. Portimao. <laughs> So before you cut me off and Portugal. I go, yep, sorry. So we're going to just switch into World Superbike here for a minute. Okay, sounds good. Shout out again, Garrett Gerloff. Mm-hmm. That dude is a bad mother. He's coming. Yeah, what's that, what's that jacket you're wearing there? That's for him. Nice. All right. For him or for you? Both. Nice. He's out there making BMWs right. look good. So I mentioned that he's... You know, consistently the top BMW mm-hmm. this weekend. I, right. Oh, sorry to cut you off again, but real quick question: Did you go BMW because of BMW racing, or do you follow BMW racing so closely because you bought a BMW? Why do you always ask me these questions? Everybody, because it's important be, knowledge. Everybody becomes a fan of something sometime. Yeah, I have so, been. Uh, no, I have been very clear. I'm going to be very clear with you again. I had a BMW car. Yeah. I really liked it. When it when it came time to buy a sport bike, I was like, hell, I'm going to give one of them a try. To be fair, I, I told you to. You did tell me to. And I took that with a certain percentage of salt. And then, what? I will turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I looked around and... That's true. You were looking at Hondas and I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, S1, it was. 000. I mean, you're right. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell the truth. I wanted an S1000. I couldn't get one. And I knew you could. And I was like, he's got to get it because I got to see one. So, and here we are. We have him addicted and me talking crap. This is this is true. I don't know how the switch <laughs> happened, but so. I don't know. No, I, yesterday. What what happened yesterday? You you sent me a picture off of what? Facebook freaking marketplace. Not not even. It was like Utah Motorcycle Riders Facebook page. It was like, boom, there's a there's a Fireblade in Ogden, Utah, right there. I happened to be coming home from the track. I happened to have two BMW S1000s in the trailer. Yeah. But I, I literally got that message like a mile and a half from the exit I needed to take. And, oh, and I got good timing. Yeah, so... So I, I told the co-pilot, how late are they open? They were open late enough, so we zoomed on in there, and I went to go check out this Fireblade. So Fireblade's already gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had already sold it. They said they sold it within an hour of posting it, and the sales guy, I don't know if this stuff is true, but he says they're only building 2,500 Fireblades, at least for the American market. I think it's, that's true in that color scheme. Maybe, but regardless, they're so hard to get a hold of apparently, right? That yep. people are willing to throw money down and go nuts to try to get one. Right. He claimed that that was the only one the state of Utah had got. And again, it may, may be color scheme. Yeah. And, th- and this is the R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R. And I don't even know if I really want one, but I thought at this point, maybe I would grab one and we would test that baby out so we could see. And anyway, it was already gone. So they took that. They took that option away from me, but just sitting there listening to this guy, no offense to him, but 
just telling me how special the bike is and how few they are and whatever. I'm like, it really only belongs on the track. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the H2. Go yeah. ahead and leave your comments below. Compare for me, please. Please, the audience, please leave a comment. H2 compared to CBR. Yes. The, CBR1000R, RRSP. Sorry. RRR Fireblade SP, I think. I don't know. But yes. <laughs> just to just elaborate a little bit more, the dealer said, the sales guy mm -hmm. said that the Fireblade is as close to a track bike as you can get that you can buy direct. Did he say track bike or race bike? Race bike. Okay. All but right. for I a track. He, he was yeah. implying for a track. Right. But it is funny. Just want to point that out. Salesmen will say race bike. They've never been to a racetrack. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Not all got, of them. Some of them actually have. And they're good. For hell's sakes. Is he got what? Sorry. It's got rubber brake lines on it for hell's sakes. Yeah. How can you? I mean, you're going to, your brake fluid is going to expand and that's going to. Oh. So, <laughs> no, but, but he said that really it shouldn't be taken out on the road. It should be a track only bike. Which I've heard. Which is, that's true with all of them, but except for the BMW, because they have cruise control and heated grips. But. <laughs> okay. In the, in, all right. in the. In the same uh, sentence, in the same sentence, the guy says, "Not unlike the Ninja H2." I feel like if you, if it had been sitting there and he had said that, you would have said, "I'm out, gone, sorry, nope." Yeah. Like that. Uh, let me speak to the the motorcycle salesman of the world for a little bit. And I'm not a salesman, so I don't know. And I understand that I'm not trying to put disses out there on you. But when you're talking to motorcycle riders, you need to be very careful when you're selling sport bikes, especially high-end sport bikes. Because if you talk to someone that goes to the track regularly and you say things much like this, it is clear that you don't know what you're talking about. And my boys out there listening, they go to the track regularly and have had a similar experience, please back me up in the comments below. It is painfully obvious if you have ridden at the track or not. And making a comment like that makes that extremely obvious. I understand that you're a salesman. I understand the H2 is a crazy bike and it goes wicked fast. But I also understand that anyone that goes to the racetrack often would pick an H2 below almost anything else. 1000s, 750s, 600s, your parallel twins, maybe even down to your 300s. We all kind of are curious what an H2 would be like, but have almost zero desire because we realize that it's all power and the handling probably isn't there. Just letting you guys know, if you're a salesman and you're listening, it's pretty, at, at least for you, I mean, you drive a truck with a trailer. The trailer literally has track stickers on the side of it. It's kind of obvious what you do. That's a bold comment to make to someone that literally just came from a racetrack. Just saying. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Let's go huh? back to World Superbike. Yeah, World Superbike. Yeah. You're BMW. To... That was a long tangent. Sorry. So Garrett Gerloff seems to be getting better every stinking week. He did get better this week. He did get better this week. But he had a high and then a back to reality and now a high again. So mm -hmm. he had a he had a fourth and a fifth, I believe, two races ago. 
and then he had two top tens the last race, I believe. I don't know exactly where, but now he finished fourth in the first race, fourth in the second race. And he, he qualified fifth, right? No, he ended up qualifying like ninth. Oh. Uh, so they have a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl resets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. So. Yeah, because that's the, that's the argument, isn't it? The, the, which one is better? Yeah. And I have mixed emotions. I don't. I think it's nice to have both. <laughs> because so let's, say, let's say Bagnaya is obviously Bagnaya is obviously the fastest guy out there. Jorge Martin, whoever you want to insert name, mm-hmm. they're obviously the fastest rider. And in the sprint, his bike blows up. He's went through all the regular qualifying. He got the pole, but then his bike blows up on the first lap. And pu- purely bike. Yeah. Yeah. Then since you had a bad sprint showing, now it screws your race day too after doing all the work to get that pole. Mm-hmm. I don't like how that happens sometimes. Right. But if you have non bike related issues, it kind of it kind of makes sense, right? Like if if you wreck out of the race, because that's even a wreck. So but, but it weighs in, right? Because so, if I so know that let's pick on Jack. Jack okay. has a lot of races this year where he goes out and he, he had qualified good and then he falls clear back. Mm-hmm. He eventually would end up where he probably should have been on the track. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. So if that happened, then I'm totally cool with him starting from where he probably should have been the next race, the next day. Yeah. But if Mark Marquez qualifies fifth, and then he goes out there and he's in a hard fight and it's totally his fault, but he throws it out into the weeds. I still want to see him up front the next day. I don't want him coming from the back trying to, I don't want him removed to the race because he was fighting hard the day before. No, I, I agree. And I, I think, I think the way MotoGP does it where you're qualifying is your qualifying period. I think I like that better, but at the same time, like I said, I like that they both they differ in that way because it makes it different. Like if you know that your position in the sprint dictates your position in the race, are you going to be more careful? Are you going to throw it out there more? Right. Someone from the back might throw it out more because he's like, well, I'm qualifying ninth. Like ninth isn't the worst, but you know, I ain't the best. So if I get 15th, like, okay, as opposed to the guy in first is like, if I lose first, I lose, you know, if I wreck out in first or I wreck out in second, I lose that place tomorrow and i start in last whereas if i just finish second then i start in second i could possibly take first tomorrow so i i i like it for some reasons i don't like it for others right so i told you earlier i know you haven't had a chance to watch that race mm-hmm. True. But go back and watch that race moto Mar- or world superbike yep. world superbike uh race one was awesome race two was awesome for different reasons Awesomer. Uh, awesomer. I don't know if it was awesomer, but so race one, you had a lot of bikes fighting. You had a lot of different bikes leading. You had mm-hmm. a bunch of switching, you know, everything else. Race mm-hmm. two was pretty much top racking Batista like normal, broke away from everything. But oh my gosh, I, I feel so bad for Top Rack, who's coming to BMW next year. Yeah. So, which is going to be quite interesting. But he is so frustrated with Yamaha, and it's crazy to me. I know Dorna owns both, but it's crazy to me. These are completely different bikes. In MotoGP, it's a you know a, an imaginary bike they're racing. 
Yeah, but true. In World Superbike, this is homologated. These are, you know, they're not bikes you can buy. Let's be real. No, but they come. But they're from based that. on a bike you can buy. Yeah. Enough so that the reason we have. I'm pretty sure the frame. Yeah, the reason we have an M. The reason yeah. there's such thing as a M series BMW is so they could race one. Right. Uh, and, the reason and a lot of them. Honda. Yeah. Honda, the, the triple R. Yep. Yeah. A lot of these high end bikes, the reason they were made is so that they can race. They're not really making money selling them to the public. Right. Which is why you should go buy one. <laughs> <laughs> so spend the $40,000. It's, it's not a real, they're not making money. <laughs> yeah. So, so top rack, I mean, it's not even really that arguable and I don't want to take anything away from Batista, mm-hmm. but the argument for your last two years now is Batista's this teeny little guy. Um, he has a serious weight advantage, which turns into a tire advantage. Sure. Yeah, it really does. I mean, his tires last longer than anybody's. He seems to be able to hold grip. I'll get, I'll, I'll give that to you. I'll give it to anyone. It's just kind of crazy to think about. It is. It is. And I don't how many club racers are really worried about if I shed 10 pounds, my tires will last longer. Well, me, but I'm not willing to do it. <laughs> so they go out there to race and the, mm-hmm. the Batista's speed advantage in that race on the straight was four tenths a lap. He would hit the straight. Um, they mm-hmm. measured it over and over and over again. He would gain four tenths. Every time they touch the straight. Almost a half a second on the straight. Yes. Yes. So if you go back and watch that race, top rack. Yamaha. I understand you built this bike for racing, but like if you want me to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're telling me I I hit the freeway with a Ducati and he's gone by four tenths. So to me, it's not to take any Ducati. It's not to take anything away from Batista's riding ability. Mm Mm-hmm. But between the power advantages on the bike, the weight advantages for him, mm-hmm. it was four tenths consistently. That's about what it looks like when I am in front of you and we're both on the jigsaw. Good hell. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up because I actually thought about that today. If you go back it's and watch that race, they're going to show. <laughs> they're going to show a rear camera mm-hmm. multiple times, probably. But one time in particular, they show the rear camera from Batista mm-hmm. with uh top rack leading into the last corner. He has him passed within the first 20 feet of the straight. And then he just, you, it just shows top rack. Just like what, was it two years ago or a year ago that the Ducati came out right next to the Suzuki. And then the Suzuki was just like, we're stuck here. And then Ducati's just, Argh. yep. So <laughs> I remember I that, felt, I felt bad for Suzuki that year. I just want to point that out real quick. So did everyone. I want to say, want to say it was last year, the first race of the year in Qatar. It wasn't. Maybe not. But anyway, there there is Maybe a race where both Suzuki's hit the straight or one of them. And Ducati hit at the same time and went and it literally. At the end of the race. The, yeah, it was the last lap. Suzuki could have won it if they had this straight line. And Ducati's just like, meh. It was Qatar. It was under the lights. First race of the year. You're right. But I can't remember for sure if it was last year, but probably. I think so. So, 
go watch this race because Top Rack gave the performance of a lifetime. Did he do he, the like thing? The top yeah. Rack he would down. uh they would come down the straight, Batista would be way out ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And he would just fly into corner one mm-hmm. on the inside and totally block passing. <laughs> like yeah. ridiculous, right? And he mm-hmm. does it, he does it. I mean, it's a 20 lap race. Mm-hmm. He did it like 18 times. <laughs> so they'd come back yeah. around and he'd be fighting, fighting, fighting. They'd come back around, Batista would blow him down again. The interesting stat, if you look, if you if you look, true as you can tell it. Top Rack probably led 80% of that race. Until the straight every but time. But Batista led every lap. Yeah. If you just look at the stats, because... that is in, So take those those four tenths away every lap. How much would he have won by? But top Rack could kill him. He kills him everywhere, and that's true every weekend. <laughs> that's insane. It's true every weekend, but it, it's never really shown. This race, it's just shown, like terribly but if you want to see something really sad and funny at the same time top rack so even the announcers are saying oh now that batista's cleared him all Mm. he's got to do is get enough of a lead if he can hit the straight in the lead now he's going to leave him and the gap will start to grow and then it's over Mm -hmm. and top rack would find a way to get back in there and get him back it wasn't always in corner one sometimes it was five sometimes it was 13 it was a great race but He consistently got blown down. I'll bet every lap he got beat on the straight because it was that close from start to finish. What At what point do you give up? Well, that's why Top Rack's going to BMW, I think. He's going somewhere yeah. where he's hoping that they'll get their braking. He's mm-hmm. hoping that they'll do those things, but he knows and, they have the And have speed. the power, yeah. Yeah, because that, that's got to be insane. Like, can you imagine being a racer and you're like, I've got this guy. And it would be one thing if you're like in a track day scenario. I've done this before, right? On a 750 compared to 1000, I outbreak in it literally an S1000. I outbreak him into corner one. I'm like, ha, I got you, man. Or, or I pass you on the outside in corner one because you're not taking it as fast, right? And then three corners later, we get out of it and we're on a straight and you blow me down. I'm like, it's all right. I got you. <laughs> but after like five or six times of doing that, I'm like, okay, dude, like, Get out of the way. Yeah, you can see that I've got it. Why don't you follow for a little bit and watch and and try and break with me and then pass me legitimately in a corner somewhere. Like, that's got to be discouraging. Just So that's that's what I was getting at. And we need we should find the picture. I need to figure out if I can find the picture. But I had to pause it. And I don't know if you. So at the end of the race, Mm -hmm. Top Rack somehow miraculously passed him again. Okay. Top rack led into the last corner. Mm-hmm. They came onto the straight, the same thing that had happened every time. And I think top rack was trying to set it up. I think he was going to try to jump in front of him, try to block him somehow. Didn't work. Batista pulled out, blew him down again and passed him going over the start finish line. So Batista okay. wins. Top rack leads 80, 85% of the race. Right. Batista stood up on the foot pegs and was punching it like a pro. He was punching that Yamaha like a pro wrestler. He was just full stand up on the pegs, just dropping. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just punching his bike. Frustrated. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's fair. I don't I don't see a picture coming up. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. I can't I can't even imagine being in that place. Being in, you know, World Superbike isn't MotoGP, but it is still a world championship. And to think that you can obviously outride the guy in front of you, and it's interesting because in the world of super bikes, they talk a lot about like Ducati's got that straight line power, but Yamaha has that corner speed, right? And so one could argue if you swap them, would it really be, you know, who's actually the better rider, get them both on a Ducati, then get them both on a Yamaha and figure it out. And that's, that's where, I mean, that's, that's where that competition lies. That's where conversation is. You know, if, if they were all riding the same bike, they were all the same level and it just depended on who had the strategy that week, then we wouldn't even have this podcast. Or wouldn't yeah. be written. Anyway. Yes, we would, because I have to add one more argument in there. Okay. Even between the Ducati racers, you, you, I mean, you hear Bagnaya talking about it all the time. There's no secret that those guys all share information. That's why they're so good when they hit the ground. Right. They go and say, well, Bagnaya is faster in this corner, so what's he doing? And But the satellite bikes should be tuned down to be slower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other story we've already touched on. Yeah, true. But they, they've asked, I've heard him ask, like, Bezecchi, you know, how come Bagnaya is so good? And he talks about his riding style and how he hangs a certain way off the bike, something that he does not or cannot do. Mm-hmm. You know, these certain things that they notice amongst themselves. And so I would argue that we all, I don't want it to go to your head anymore, but Mark Marquez is a pretty good motorcycle rider. I'll give him that. He's the best of all time. But that doesn't guarantee that he jumps on a Ducati and that just clicks and he destroys everybody now because he's on equal equipment. I would agree that a Ducati is a better bike, but I will stop short of agreeing that it's a better bike for everybody. True. I, I agree with that. I will say that I think it is slowly proving to just be the best bike, which should be Ducati's goal, right. but it makes it hard because that's that's what was so great about Honda was that Mark knew how to ride the Honda. Honda knew how to ride a, build a bike for Mark, and together they were unstoppable, right? Ducati has now built a bike that, I mean, you have three people all in separate teams that are potentially fighting for a championship now who's actually the best so they're not all on the same ducati you know like that that brings up an interesting point that you'll appreciate in the in the conference the press conference before the weekend Mm -hmm. they were asking bagnaya quite a bit about last year he was the hunter Mm-hmm. And this year he's the hunted, and yeah. he asked. They asked him about the pressure that he must be having a lot of pressure and everything else, and he said in a lot of ways there's a lot less pressure because last year Ducati hadn't won a championship in however many years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so important for Ducati to get a championship. This year, no one else will. <laughs> well, and he, he pointed out now that. He's got a Ducati in second place, a Ducati in third place. So it's looking like Ducati's definitely winning the championship again this year. Um, 
he potentially is not going to be a back-to-back championship winner, but Ducati themselves are going to win another championship. It looks like. Right. And he said, and I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it was funny to me because it pissed me off too. And I'm, you always brought it up last year, but he, he was talking about, uh, writer orders. Yeah. And he said, at least this year, I won't have to sit here and listen to all the speculation about Ducati orders. Right. Yeah. And then he kind of tried to smile, but you know, it's one of them comments that there's a lot of truth behind it. You could tell that must've really bothered him. Right. But for me, I'm looking at it and I'm going now, hold on a minute. I think there's more reason for Ducati orders this year. They can't control Jorge Martin. Yeah. Because they didn't give him a damn job. He wanted that factory seat and they took it away from him. So And he's trying to prove that he deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. So he ain't listening. Even if they even if they did want to give some orders, mm-hmm. he ain't listening. Bazecchi, I was thinking about that during the race today. Did you see early on he had passed Bagnaya? I don't remember that, to be honest. Yeah, but... Bazecchi was Bazecchi was up ahead of him for a while and then Bagnaya got him back. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking when that happened, I was thinking Bezzecchi is probably, those guys are good enough friends. Do you think he's counting like Jorge Martin's going to pull closer in the championship? If I pass Bagnaya, it's going to do even worse for him. I don't really have a chance for the championship. I'd rather have my friend win it. Than- yeah, you know, that that comment right there is what has been making me so mad this season. I, I get like one little thing every season. It's that right there. We've been on commentators a lot ever since we started this podcast. If I'm racing a motorcycle, each individual race, I shouldn't be thinking about it. anything else besides how can I win this race? You should just be worried about being box office. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. But they're always like, this guy is literally like doing all these calculations in his head for how much grip he has left, how close he's following the guy in front of him, his tire pressure compared to his. He knows that guy's running a soft tire. He's on a medium, so he can catch back up to him later. But that guy has the world championship in the bag. He doesn't. So if he affects that, then he... No, man. He's looking at that guy in front of him as the next guy to pass. And he wants to eat him up and take first place. That's what it should be. And if it's anything more than that, we're losing racing. And I got to be careful saying that because I understand I get it, but I want a guy that goes out there. so that's, that's what I liked about Mark Marquez from the beginning. And what I've said before is that Juan Mayer won a championship purely based off of consistency, right? Not consistently first, but consistently top five. Mark couldn't do that if he needed to, because he wants to win a race. And I don't know if he still has that, but back in the day, he would give it up to win an individual race over winning a championship. And that is the type of racer that I want. That's why I like why I liked him so much and why I quite honestly still do because I could still kind of see that there. I want a racer that at the end of the day, you know, the end of the championship win or the end of the season hits, I won the championship. I don't care. I got three more races to get a podium on. I got three more gold medals to take home, and I'm going to take them. You look at Fabio Quattararo a couple years ago when he won his championship. He dropped off after that. Right. I don't like that that much. Props to him. He won a championship. He's a world champion. He gets the credit he deserves for that. 
He doesn't get full credit in my brain because he stopped winning races. He started taking it easy. That is not a pure racer brain in my head. It's Yamaha's fault, not his. No, and I, again, I understand there's there's ups and downs there, but in my head, if you are a racer purely at heart, you want to win every race. You want every gold medal. You don't care if you already won the championship. You don't care how many points there are, who's taking it, whatever, team orders. You want all the gold medals you can get. If you're not first, you're last. There you go. I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. <laughs> uh so I seen somewhere uh, Chase Elliott and somebody else from NASCAR. Oh boy, here we go. No, they they recreated those cars for maybe it was the race this weekend. Mm, okay, yeah. But they recreated the cars. There was something on Instagram with the they were doing the shake and bake. The two shake drivers. and bake, baby, shake and bake. Yeah, yeah. I, so I do love that. That's a that's NASCAR's movie right there. It's a great movie. It is. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. For you, uh, for you listeners that haven't watched, uh, Talladega nights, American or not, just go watch it. It's, it's worth it. If you want to watch it and then make fun of NASCAR, by all means, I don't care. I'll give you full permission. Like I really <laughs> don't care. Just go watch the movie. It is a great movie. Well, I'm glad they have your permission. Yeah. They needed well, it. Well, what else we got? I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Jack Miller going nuts. Rain race in Japan. They got red flagged, restarted, and then done again. The championship is three points. It is insane. I have been... I've been happy about that. I've been mad because my fantasy, I'm like rooting for people that aren't on my team, and then I'm like, I shouldn't be rooting for this guy. I need my fantasy team to do well, whatever. Forget the fantasy. Root for the guys you like. Um, But the championship is not... Moto America might not have been the season that we promised. And World Superbike, maybe not either. I don't know if we really promised anything there. But I will say that MotoGP has not given up this year. And those racers want it. Jorge Martin, once again, he is just staying there. It seems like Bagnaia has got nothing for him. It, I mean, if you math it out, I think... No, that's not true because it's, what, five points between first and second? 25 and 20 points. And you get the sprint in there, whatever. Yeah. And then the sprint's half point. So it, it makes yeah, the numbers so, a little funny this year. So it's, it's interesting, but I, I haven't seen a MotoGP season go this, this long without a champion in a long time. So we've got, uh, what, four, four or five races left. Let me scroll and make sure that's accurate. I think six. Yeah. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Six. Yep, you're you are correct. Yeah, yeah. Because Qatar is at the end of the season this year. I did see so. an interesting stat that you would like. Old. Did you know this was before the weekend? So I don't know. This could have changed after the weekend. Hmm. But if they didn't have a sprint race, if you only take the score of the race, mm-hmm. Bazzetti was leading Bagnaya by four or something like that, and he's leading Jorge Martin by ten or something. Interesting. Okay. So maybe. Maybe Martin is the the Saturday wonder. The Super Saturday, as they call it. The Super Saturday guy. Yeah, I think him and I think him and Bagnai, at least going into the race, were tied for podium sprint podium. The I I don't mind the sprint. It has made me a little upset at myself for not 
being able to pay attention long enough for a full race, whatever. Yeah. But, so, so we, we got a little off subject there, but to go back to that, just to give my two cents, mm-hmm. the sprint, I wouldn't change it now. I've gotten used to it. Love it. You know, I watch, you know, I watch every single race I can find. Yeah. Whether I know the guy's racing or not, it has watered down the GP a little bit. Yep. For me, because I don't get as excited anymore for the Sunday race. You know, I don't miss it. I, of course, I watch it, but I used to just be, I mean, that whole the anticipation, the buildup for three days to get to that race, and it was finally there, and you didn't know how they were going to do. Now, going right. into Sunday, I, 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 a, if they'd let me place a bet Sunday morning, I'd do yeah. a lot better now than I did before. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I know what's going to happen for the most part. There's always those things that come along that the unknowns, but for the most part. Yeah. yeah. But I'll give you that. That's why we watch. That's why they race the races, they say. Because Bazzetti's not completely out of this, although he probably is. Probably, but what's insane is like Martin could wreck next week and Bagnaya. They could take each other out. There's no orders out yet. They're both fighting for the championship. But, I I think they're one of them specifically is too robotic to make that happen or to let that happen. But if they both wrecked out, Bezetchi's right back there. I don't know you say that, but in the same breath, Bagnaya is the one that keeps screwing himself over this year. That's true. Yeah. The robots made a lot of mistakes. Let's let's not say keeps. He has done it a couple times, but for the most part, he has run a very, very clean and good season. He's either top three or he's crashed. Yeah. Which, like, that's... I mean, I don't... Im- impressive. The only, the, the only downside is that Jorge Martin has also run a very clean season. Right. It is insane. So, yeah. Uh, real quick predictions next year. I think... I think, actually, Mark's going to stay at Honda. I think there's a possibility, and it would be insane... Mark goes to Ducati for one year, figures out all the secrets, brings it back to Honda. No. And, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that he can be the Japanese savior? Yeah. No, I, I started thinking about it. I was like, why not? Why doesn't Honda just say, oh, we really don't want you to go? Get over there and get all the secrets. No, we don't want you to go, Mark. Don't go. I'll tell you why. And this ain't a hint of golden underpants, but he does not strike me as the writer. There, there's some writers that are technical and they're in there trying to turn wrenches with their mechanics. And then there's other riders that are not. And Mark is not, he says he's working with the team. He says all those things, you know, they have to work close together, but mm-hmm. he goes home for the week and then comes back. It's, I get more of the feeling he goes home for the week, comes back and then says, no, this is still shit. I don't see him as a highly. So as a, as a lifelong Mark Marquez fan, Having watched every single one of his races, documentaries, and everything else, I can say from all of the media info put out, what the world thinks of him in general, according to the videos and whatnot put out of Mark Marquez, is is the complete opposite of that. Interviews with his team, with him, with other people in MotoGP, with other riders that have been alongside him in Repsol, is that he has been one of the most involved riders with the team that MotoGP has ever seen. One of the most, what are you doing with the bike? This is what I'm feeling. I think I need this changed, right? Like I'm going in the corner and the front is dipping too hard. 
and then talking to the team and actually getting what are what are we changing? What is actually happening here? Whereas I would say someone like Alicia Spargo comes back. He's like, this is terrible. I cannot write it like this. <laughs> it dips in the front. And then they change something. He's like, nope, this is still terrible. Or this is a little better. From everything that I have ever read or seen or heard, Mark is actually one of the most involved on the mechanical side of any other writer. Whether or not that's true, I don't, I don't know. I cannot say. But everything that I have seen up until this point right now, and maybe it's changed recently because maybe he's like, nope, I'm over it. I don't care. Just give me a good bike. But in the past, he has been, according to the media, one of the most involved riders. Well, I think he might be out of money, though. Uh, why do you say that? So let me see here. One, two, three, four, five. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I have to go back 13 posts. 13 Instagram posts to see that girl he hired to be his girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> well, what happened? He was posting pictures of playing with her hair and everything else, and now she's just gone away. Yeah. Have you um, seen anything about her in a while? Uh, You got to follow his story. So she's still there? Yeah, she's still around. Okay, because I thought miraculously that might be why he's racing better. <laughs> The girl left, and well, you got to be careful saying stuff like that because Jack Miller is married and has a baby. So, well, he was going downhill before the baby came. Yeah, but then the baby came, and he really went downhill literally the week after. Yeah, but you know, a week into it, he's getting better. And then there's a lace who's like, I have like nine kids. They're yeah, going to podium gets, with me. He gets faster every time he puts one of them baby prints on his butt on his suit. <laughs> All right, with that, we gotta we gotta close it up. All right. Well, you know, I had some exciting things to tell you about my recent track day, but we're gonna have to do that next week. We'll save it. It'll be good next week. I don't think we have much racing next week, so perfect. Good old at home conversation coming to you. So yeah, yeah stay tuned. Uh, as always, as forever, subscribe, like comment no smashing no smashing anything leave us some comments down below especially if you're out of country uh we'd like to hear from you guys we'd like to know who we're reaching and honestly we want to know what you guys like what you don't like if you like it you know just yeah sure just leave a like otherwise leave a comment let us know what you want to hear about and i'll say if you're not clicking the download button on your personal podcast platform, because I know a lot of you guys don't watch, you listen. That's great. We love you. Go ahead and click that download button so we start getting your downloads. We post every Wednesday. And hope to see you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. I did find a 2018 Jigsaw that's Moto America Stock 1000 race built for sale yeah but then i also found a 2017 jigsaw thou that's not built for racing at all and it's like 19 nine thousand dollars cheaper there was a group of guys at the track mm -hmm. not one not two but three guys three three all on brand new jigsaw thou the blue with the yellow highlight color scheme yeah okay Two of them had the lights taken off and the mirrors, and one of them had them taped up with blue tape. Mm -hmm. 
They were in the B plus group. And I smoked them all. Well, okay. Is that because of the bike or because of you? Me. Yeah, yeah. Me. BMW can't beat Suzuki. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those three medals back there. Ooh. 